Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. This is Lydia from the Tech Podcast. And as you can tell, I'm really, really excited to be here today. And this is someone I've been chasing for quite some time to tell us a bit more about radio planning. And if you've been following our series, you'll see we have been discussing around channels and frequencies and what channel capacity, or rather how channel capacity is calculated. And what I really wanted to do from uh, following on and building up on those, uh, around those topics is to talk to an expert uh, on radio planning to tell us about what this means. Uh, so I've got Mayowa, uh, well, transmission planning, I'm being corrected. Um, but transmission is an aspect of radio as well as Mayowa would, would explain to us. So yeah, so here, welcome Mayowa, it's lovely to have you here. So just to kick off before I get corrected again, tell us about yourself. Um, my name is Mayowa, I asked you to introduce uh, been in the telecoms industry, stroke sector in the last, say, 20 years. I'm working with multiple vendors, multiple operators um, in Europe, Africa, been around the world doing a few, working on a few projects. I started from way back when we had 1X and then 2G, 3G, 4G, and now finally doing 5G and fiber. So, um, yeah, as I said, I've worked with multiple vendors and multiple operators doing radio and transmission planning, design, coverage prediction, transmission prediction, and uh, total coverage of um, cities, clusters, and let's say the whole country as well in some cases. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mayo. That's that's really, really exciting. So one one of the aspects I wanted to tackle with you and really bring your expert opinion on board is around what radio planning is in general and that's how that fits into the context of transmission planning. All right, so radio planning is simple to explain. Uh what it is is say you have a cluster or an area in which you want to cover um, wireless um, transmission or radio. Radio planning entails um, coverage prediction, getting a physical and geographical layout of a particular area which you want to cover, and you do some predictions and planning using channels, frequencies, and all input that into planning tools which already have elevation. The topography of the area where you have hills and valleys covered, not spots covered, black spots and um, areas where um, there is um, zero coverage. Um, So you get uh, parameters in place and put them into a radio planning tool with different factors in mind, um, channels where you think of um, interference as well. So you have uh, each site will probably have an average of three sectors sector zero, sector one, sector two, and you put different channels on those sectors and do like a prediction. And that gives you um, a geographical coverage and understanding of where you want to cover radio-wise and radio-wise in terms of uh, voice and data. They do mm-hmm. interference calculations as well because you have probably a site has maybe three, three kilometers, four kilometer coverage radius and you need to fill in all the holes. So you have a 360 degree coverage on each side. Say you have one sector cover 120 degrees and you have another one cover 120, you have 120 times three making 360 degrees. 
However, in some cases, you can have full 360 degree coverage because of obstructions, maybe buildings or maybe trees or maybe valleys, hills, you're on a hill, you're in a valley. So you compensate for that on other sides, with other sites as well, um, trying to fill up that um, coverage black hole. So basically, that's what radio coverage is. Yeah, no, that, that is really a lot. Sorry to interrupt my while acting because I just want to try to um, frame things, but also ask um, as part of my own curiosity, because, I mean, we've worked together uh, in the past, but on different aspects of um, network, uh, network deployment. So just... Just going back to one of our interactions uh, many years ago, I remember an occasion where you were showing me um, a planning demo, and I think it was on the Ellipse tool. And I actually still have um, a good memory of what you showed me because it was based on London and how you were doing that link planning, thinking about the um, the buildings, the distances you wanted to cover, the propagation, and what sort of equipment you were going to use on on those. And so. I think for me, it's always been um, a curious aspect as to how do you even go about acquiring those skills in the first place to get you to that point where you can bring all of these different factors in together and to say, well, there's a link and it and, and it sort of works like magic, doesn't it? So how, how do you go about acquiring those skills? So um, the way the wireless network uh, operates, it's to some people yeah, it appears like magic. To us in the industry, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's something we've been on from the days of wired lines to the days of um, wireless networks. I think quite interesting. Telecom started from way back in the eighties, where we had landlines at home and it was locked because of yeah. um, skyrocketing bills. We had our dad's fast pass lockers. <laughs> And they had this dungeon box behind the house, which was yeah. where all the next all the lines in the house were connected to. Well, there was one line for multiple boxes, one in his yeah. room, one in the living room upstairs, one in the living room downstairs, and those three boxes were effectively locked except weekends when he was home. And at <laughs> the time we had um, a problem with the guy cable, which is from the um junction box to the house and he replaced it so we had the leftover cable in the compound and I said to myself hang on if I terminate this cable on this small junction box get an old phone box and put it in my room wouldn't this work in that evening as long I tried it and it worked lo and behold I started <laughs> ex-girlfriend then and <laughs> And this crazy deal came, and my dad said, no one in this house would do something like this except you. Well, that's where oh, it all started for me. Then after that, going to secondary school and university, I wanted to study electrical engineering, which I got. And getting towards final year, I found that we had um, three options in electrical, which was power, control, and telecoms. Power is basically mm. just control is automation, industrial, traffic lights and all. And telecom is comms. And I didn't hesitate to choose that. And yes, I did yeah. courses in comms, graduated. Oh, well, I had a um, one-year industrial training course, which was mm. an operator, which had just deployed in Nigeria called MTN. Mm -hmm. I got to work with them for five months where I learned all the basics and went back to uni, graduated and 
going to NYSC and after that going started working with one of the major operators in Nigeria, which is where I really cut my teeth in telecoms. I was working as a transmission planning engineer, working directly with uh, some manager called Ikena. Probably, I think I learned all I learned in telecoms from the MP, who was a specialist, yeah. still is a specialist. I still call him once in a while when I wrote his water in radio and link planning and he mm-hmm. never accepted to help. And yeah, that's how I got into it. And it's been growing from one step to the other, learning all the multiple technologies. When I joined them, we were doing 1X and 2G. And, uh, Moved into 3G, moved into 4G, and most recently yeah. 5G transmission, wireless, and fiber. As we all know, 5G doesn't cause COVID. We had, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, one to draw. <laughs> multiple conspiracy theories about 5G being the cause of coronavirus in 2019. <laughs> I kept telling people back then that if 5G was the cause of COVID, I probably would have died from a spot like astrosis. I know, exactly. And I think Which I've got that similar experience as well. Yeah, yeah. And I worked on uh, 5G testing in the lab before. Yeah, yeah. Environment using attenuators so we don't get ourselves burnt in the lab. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm proud into the live network. I'm seeing the first um, 5G site we tested in London, which was the University mm-hmm. at Canary Square. I did the radio and transmission planning, and um, yes, okay, really had that feather to my hands. My work, can we can we come back to that in a bit because I've got some of the fun aspects of the job, and I kind of uh, vividly remember that that was one of the events um, at CSM we had Central Saint Martins in London that was really really fascinating, and yeah. and enjoyable, and you know came as the perks of being in the job. But we will come back to that aspect. But I just wanted yeah. to go back um, to what you said around the history about. Um, getting into telecoms because one of the things I'm aiming to do with this podcast series is to give people that concrete information of what you need and how you get where you get to as a as a telecoms um, professional specifically and reflecting on my own journey it's it's something I, I actually describe as a as a series of fortunate interactions um, because like you I had a dad who was very technical minded and he had all generations of uh, phones really from the beginning and he was very hands-on with his uh, telecoms but I didn't until very recently reflect on that, seeing that as part of the, uh, the choices that led to me eventually working in telecoms. But then also, like you said, there is the classic, you know, you go to university and as people from African background, we know, of course, the choices are you be a doctor, you be an engineer, or you be a lawyer. It's kind of like you have those three choices and that's it. You, you, you pick one. So, but there's always that critical point where people start think of, oh, what am I going to study? And for 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 you and for me, fortunately, we started off with uh, I started off with physics uh, with electronics as a major, and I've gone on to do other things. But you started off, I think you said in the electrical, electronics, um, engineering. electronics engineering side, yeah. and then built on. 
But then another thing you said, which was interesting, is that internship opportunity, because I had that as well. So I had um, a six-month inter- internship um, initially with Ericsson in Nigeria, because my sis, my late sister-in-law had introduced me to it. And it's really fascinating to hear that you've had that same kind of experience yeah, as your roots coming into into telecoms and i recall that one of the first um tools i saw was the temps temps planner i still i still yeah i still, I still remember it was an eric same one but at that point a lot of the things they were trying to explain to me although it was interesting and fascinating um it, it was still like magic so I just wanted you to touch on a little bit some of the practical things that helped open up that world of telecoms and helped you develop, and as you said, cut your teeth into the world of transmission planning for us. So if you have um, um, love for physics, mathematics, and geography, I see you end up mm-hmm. being a good radio and transmission engineer because radio planning and transmission engineer is a combination of three primary subjects, which is physics, geography, and mathematics. Um, physics in terms of just calculations, um, calculations in physics, like um, all those theories from our Darwin's theory and all those theorems, mathematics, <laughs> obviously being able to calculate objects and electromagnetic theory core. <laughs> Mathematics being able to calculate um, modulation where you, modu- where you double modulation and um, do an uplink and downlink calculation as well. So you have 512 megahertz, you double it, you have 1024, it goes to 2048, it goes to 4096. Simple yeah. Then geography, being able to understand the particular terrain of a region, um, looking at the map, you can tell where you have a valley, where you have a hill, where you have a body of water. You want to do a transmission link across a body of water now. Mm-hmm. We have um, horizontal and vertical planning, horizontal and vertical links planning. So you want to shoot over a body of water and you shoot straight into the surface of water. There's no reflection, no refraction. So you lose that yeah. link. And radio planning as well. You have attenuation on the surface of water. You understand that part as well when you build uh, an antenna to the surface of water and it reflects the uh, coverage back and you have good coverage over water and all that's where geography comes in. Uh, so looking at all of that, I just felt that I had um, love for all these um, subjects and I felt I was going to be um, a good transmission and radio planning engineer. So I got into it. Obviously, it took some time to learn the technologies. It mm. took some time to learn the tools. As she said, uh, multiple tools we worked on, say, things like uh, mental ellipse, mental planet, path loss, mm. map info, wisdom, accuracy, and count 20 of yeah. them. But they do <laughs> the same principles. Uh, the same principle as if you know how, if you are. Uh, um, Competent using one of them, probably take a few hours to jump on the other one and um, start working on it. Uh, however, you also need to have good GIS uh, knowledge, geographical information systems, which still goes back into mm-hmm. geography. 
where you can work with coordinates, grid reference, uh, where you can convert coordinates and grid reference to addresses and postcodes which you can put down on the map. Basically, manip- manip- manipulate figures and has, that have to do with geography. Uh, with that, you can now start thinking of uh, working on deployment of coverage. Say you have a postcode now, you put that mm-hmm. postcode on it gives you a particular area and not a fixed point. And all then you're looking about you're looking at how to plan a link to cover a particular area, a particular region. You find out that okay, this is the size of this area. One um, base station wouldn't cover, you need two, three, where you need to release frequency and channel as well. So you need to start factoring how you're gonna work with those channels and frequencies where they don't interfere with each other. Because you have two yeah. channels, same channel on um, two sides, they start communicating with themselves, and that's where you get interference. Yeah. And then my definition of interference is on one third signal, which will yeah. definitely, after doing all the planning and all the things, run an interference calculation as well to see if there's interference and how you can eliminate that. As simple as it sounds. It's uh, a long part of the I know. So it, it, that, that just takes my mind back to the first episode I did where I was trying to give the basics around, you know, what what's a channel. Because I, I saw that as something that was um, a mystery to me in, in the very early, early days of, of my career because it's, it's such a basic concept. I feel everyone should know coming into, um, the wireless or telecommunications arena. But as I started to look around that subject, you know, the complexity around what channel is, what kind of spectrum can you use for, for what kind of transmission, all of the planning and regulation. I remember you being in touch with Ofcom, um, applying for, um, I permission to do links and all of that, you know, to, to try to, yeah. Let me jump into that. So um, in transmission, we have multiple frequencies, uh, multiple bands for multiple distances. You have 7 gig, 13 gig, 15, 23, goes up 42, and to the E band, which is 70 to Mm -hmm. 80 gig, which is preferably used for 5G now. So the yeah. lower the frequency, the further it can travel, the further it will transmit. However, it carries lower bandwidths as well. Say, let's start from the 70, 80 gig, which is E-band now. You can carry 10 gig over the air, which is what um, the fiber link will do, which is... Um, 10, 10 gig is, is 10 a lot gig. of data. And is that 10 gig per second? It's 10 gig yes. per second. Yes, that's a lot. Extremely good for 5G. However, as good as it sounds, it's a very lazy transmission option <laughs> because once it travels about one kilometer, it starts fading. You start having problems with um, continuity. So you have a, a 70 gig link, which is over two kilometers. It works well, but the moment you have inclement weather, you start, you start dropping packets. The link starts fluctuating. So you have heavy rainfall or snow and all. So that's what so sorry, saying. sorry, Maya. I'm I'm going to jump in because that's leading excellently into the next question I had for you, which is around the technological challenges around next generation networks. Because you mentioned five G, and five G, of course, as a basic principle, is running on higher spectrum um, compared to um, traditional two G, three G technology. Mm-hmm. So, so in terms of 
uh, next gen, what do you see from a trans radio transmission planning perspective as the challenges we need to uh, overcome collectively? Each individual base station will need a fiber connection or a lease line because um, for 5G, you have lesser coverage um, mm -hmm. from each base station. However, wherever that coverage is, you have um, high capacity there being mm -hmm. deployed there. So with that in mind, we now start considering things like urban furniture and street works. When I say urban furniture, you start thinking of um, 5G antennas on street lights. Um, street works, uh, monopoles on the curb, on the walkway as well. And you start thinking of things like small cell. However, you can now, when you start thinking of that on a stretch of road for of maybe five, six, seven kilometers, you're thinking of seven, eight different urban furniture there um, running 5G. It might just be easier to run a fiber spine backbone along that path and get each of them connected via fiber. Um, yeah. then and then you have a microwave backup. However, in the past, it used to be microwave primary and fiber backup, especially for base stations as well. Yeah. But uh, with this, uh, with the amount of capacity required and the amount of sites required to fill the coverage hole for 5G, you start thinking of um, fiber delivery on individual sites to have the capacity and um, yeah, well, to have the capacity required. So microwave still works. I think microwave should just be just probably uh, an emergency solution, but in the long run, we require fiber on each individual base station. As I said, we have our microwave radios which will translate 10 gig over the air, which is good enough. We need at least a gig on each side to transmit 5G. So you have a base station where you have 10 gig, and you probably have an exit link as well, which can do more. And also, there's this. Um, uh, this design called Super Dual Band as well. That's great. A bit. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> dual, Familiar territory. Band. SDV is a, uh, a solution where you have um, the traditional 4G radio and the 5G radio. The lower yeah. frequencies will um, attain the distance and it's just like the horse and the rider situation where you have the horse carrying the, carrying, covering the distance and you have the rider yeah. being traffic, which is an yeah. interesting one as well. Um, we deployed about two or three in London, if you remember that as so. well. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. And, and I think, Mayo, I, I want to start to drift into the fun element of our job. Uh, because when you mentioned Super Dual Band, it took my mind back to when we worked together in Milan on a testing project. So I think while it's all good, we talk about the technological challenges. I think it would be good to also talk about the things you have enjoyed the perks that have come with this job so central saint martins what did we do there tell me about it <laughs> um yes we designed um, um, a 70 gig link from a site in islington which was approximately 1.7 kilometers from king's cross it was um 0.3 meter dish uh, carrying 10 gig from a hub site which had by 100 the fiber capacity there as well. So we had generous capacity on that hub side and we were able to deploy that into Central St. Martins. And obviously with the build team supporting us to do in-building solutions as well, we had distributed antennas, distributed antennas inside and in-building solutions as well. 
So we had um, good indoor and outdoor coverage, and we were able to test on multiple UAs, multiple phones. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and after all of that techie stuff, we got to go to the party, did we? The fashion show, <laughs> <laughs> and we had front seats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I deployed about 250 sites in London, running 5G at the moment. And each time I drive past any of those sites, I'm like, that's the design thing. That's the, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting part of it. Uh, <laughs> doing transmission and radio planning feels like a part of me. You know, I wake up in the morning and I have ideas of what I can do. So it's never been... Um, never been too challenging for me really because mm-hmm. as I said I started from the background working up the ladder from 1x 2g 3g 4g 5g and people ask what's the meaning of the g is just generation second generation third gen- <laughs> third generation fifth generation so um yeah it's been it's a bit challenging but more interesting than challenging for me it's uh I think it's part of my everyday life now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Considering uh, we're moving towards urban furniture and street work, so it's going to be challenging going forward. We have um, sites where you have 5G antennas and traffic lights and street lights and monopoles um, everywhere now. We're trying to get um, foolproof coverage. Still have a long yeah. way to go. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it's uh, just a matter of time. There's this project now which the government have decided to sponsor called Shared Rural Network, which yeah. is, uh, yeah. yeah, so we have um, total not spots. Some sites that have total not spots and some areas which uh, have zero coverage and some have um, not too great coverage. Say you have a site in the middle of somewhere in New Yorkshire and there's only one farmer um, uh, farmland is say um, in this in this space and it's a wide area. No operator will want to put a base station which is going to cost a hundred thousand pounds worth of fiber there just to yeah, sell one yeah. one um, farmer. So the government thought about it that since we want total coverage of the nation, uh, why don't we identify these spots, fund the operators to coverage there. It's a shared network solution, so um, all the operators can latch on onto that and have full coverage of the country. However, that's still running on 4G now. Uh, yeah. After the yeah. 4G coverage, it's just going to be like a backbone for 5G. So that's an interesting one going on as well, which I worked on briefly. And yeah, so that's, that's it about it, really. It's, uh, oh, that's uh, really, really good. Uh, um, I'm, 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 I'm going back. I think there's some delay in the line, so I can hear myself a second uh, time coming back to you. Yeah. So we clearly need 5G and your transmission planning skills. Uh, where, oh, yes. Where yes, I live. Yes, <laughs> as long as you don't believe yeah. it's because of COVID. <laughs> Definitely, definitely not. I mean, like you said, we've we've spent a lot of time and I've had very direct yeah. contacts with this yeah. technology. So um if it gave COVID, I think we would be the first people uh, <laughs> affected by it. So, no, it's been it's been really, really great fun um talking with you. But just to finish off, I just wanted to ask um a question, which is if you were to give yourself one piece of advice, um, um, 
ideally when you were 18, because uh, that's a huge um, age milestone in the co- becoming an adult for all of us. What would you say to yourself in terms of your career, career choices? What ideas, what advice would you give to yourself in hindsight? Yeah, lockdown is if you fail to plan, that means you're planning to fail. I knew where I was going. I knew what I wanted to do from, uh, I think I got into the university at the age of 16. So by 18, oh, wow. I probably said I was in year two. So I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew where I was headed uh, career-wise. And um, I think I'm at a good point now, even though there's still a lot to achieve. I still need to get to the top of my career. But yeah, and so far, so good. It's been looking well, and it can only get better, really. However, yeah. I would not get too carried away and believe I know it all. So I try to get myself involved in courses every now and then just to refresh myself, study, and um, really challenge myself because um, the technology we have in this world it emerges every other day. It's just like the virus. Yeah. It takes, keeps changing. Mm-hmm. You hear of something new every day and you don't brush yourself up. You just find yourself in Yeah, situation. you get obsolete. Yeah. No, that's that's a really good advice, Mayowa. And tells you something. Yeah. About, like, so yeah, yeah. just to keep striving and keep conditioning yourself. So con- continuous improvement has to be the motto. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Improvement and general assessment of yourself. Thank you, Mayowa. That's really, really excellent. And I think in everything you said, it's it's all the tech podcast is about as a as a community is giving that um, information so people can make those choices to shape their vision because, believe it or not, not everyone has um, that visibility or exposure to see what's possible. And for some people like me, it's been an evolving evolving story of, you know, continuous improvement, developing and taking opportunities and um, that have come along my way. And I, I'd like to say to everyone that you have been a big part of my journey and thank you so, so have much. So have you, we worked together for, yeah. for a year. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And I hope we can get you back again to uh, tell us a bit more because we're going to be talking about the G's very soon and um, to break that down for people. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mayowa. Cheers. Bye. Bye.